Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment two, we're going to bring you our headlines of the week. In segment three, Jeremy Junis. He's a good friend who works in Augusta. I used to work with him when I did some work for Nike in Augusta. He's attended the Masters since he was a kid. He's going to give us a great look at how the badge process works. He's going to tell us about how much houses rent for in the area. Then he's going to tell us how all of these prices have been affected with the announcement that Tiger Woods will be returning to the golf course at Augusta National in April. That's coming up with Jeremy Junis in segment three. In segment four, the czar of March Madness, Greg Shaheen, the NCAA Senior Vice President for Business for basketball and business strategies. He joins me every year around this time to discuss March Madness and the big business surrounding the tournament. It gets bigger and bigger every year. You're not going to want to miss my conversation with the man who makes March Madness happen for the NCAA. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. You can visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. You can find the links to the Facebook and Twitter pages for Sports Business Radio. My handle for Twitter, at SB Radio. Very excited to catch up with Greg Shaheen. Just one of the more powerful guys in all of sports, a name you may not be familiar with, but one of the nicest guys around. And you talk about a guy who is overseeing one of the premier sports properties in the United States with the NCAA Men's Basketball Championships, the NIT. This is a true power broker in the world of sports. Excited to catch up with him this week. And, of course, we're going to talk about Tiger Woods and his return to the Masters. That's coming up in headlines next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headlines sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, Tiger Woods is returning to the golf course. He'll be teeing it up at Augusta National 
at the Masters. We're going to talk about this with Jeremy Judas, who lives in Augusta, has attended the Masters for years. He's going to tell us about ticket prices, how much people rent their houses for, how the badge process works, and just how controlled it is at Augusta National. That's in our next segment. But, you know, we talk about who's going to make money off of this. Well, it's not going to be CBS. CBS has only four minutes per hour of ad inventory. So it's not like CBS can say, hey, Tiger's coming back. We're going to charge buku bucks to the sponsors. They already sold their ad, so they can't go back and go, hey, we're going to jack it up now because Tiger's playing. And again, they only get four minutes per hour. It's important to remember that Augusta National for the Masters, they buy the time on CBS, so they control the content. Yes, CBS has their announcers, and uh, you know they're doing all the technical work in the production. But Augusta National really controls the content, and they sell their own advertising. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, where are people going to make money on this? Well, the people who are selling houses, we're going to talk about this next with Jeremy Junis, but the people who have the badges. But that's not a simple process. And again, we're going to talk to you about how the badge process works in our next segment. I'm not surprised about Tiger coming back at the Masters. Really, the Masters is the safest tournament for him to return at. Uh, It's a cocoon. If you act up, you're booted out. And as far as the press, it can be very controlled. You won't see TMZs. You won't see bloggers. You won't see anyone admitted who Tiger doesn't want admitted to cover the tournament. He's going to have to face the music at some point, though, when he does a tournament where there are people there that uh, may not be as controlled as it is at the Masters. Our next headline, March Madness is underway. Uh, Great ratings for the selection show. It got a 4.8 on CBS last Sunday. So more and more people tuning into that selection show on CBS. March Madness on demand. So many people tune in to watch March Madness on demand. And we'll tell you about those figures in our last segment But uh, basically, this grows more and more every year. $37 million in ad revenues March Madness On Demand will generate. That's not TV. That's online ad revenues for people to be able to watch from their computer. It's growing every year. 7.5 million people watched online last year. Our next headline, an announced crowd of 50,994 watched Manny Pacquiao defeat Joshua Claudia at Cowboy Stadium last Saturday. It was a historic night for boxing in the United States. One of the biggest crowds ever to see a boxing match in the United States. Pay-per-view numbers were pretty good. Those are still coming in. We'll have those for you on next week's show. But still, you know, everyone's waiting for Floyd Mayweather Jr. and for Manny Pacquiao. We'll see if that fight happens. It would be the biggest grossing fight in the history of boxing, not only with attendance, but also with pay-per-view. We'll see if that happens. Our next headline, I like this one, Major League Baseball and Victoria's Secret is partnering on a new baseball theme line. Uh, They're going to take aim at young women during the 2010 season with a new fashion line featuring logos from 11 teams. This according to USA Today. The Versus Pink brand caters to college-age women with bras, lingerie, and sleepwear. So all you ladies out there that wonder, hey, when can I get some gear that's catered towards me for my favorite Major League Baseball team? Here it comes. And it makes a lot of sense that it's happening with Victoria's Secret. All right, coming up next, Jeremy Junis. He's a friend of mine from Augusta. He's gone to the Masters since he was a young boy. He knows exactly how the badge process works. He's going to tell us everything about the price of a pimento sandwich 
at the venue itself to how much people are getting when they rent their house out for the week in Augusta for the Masters. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what's, or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is a good friend. His name is Jeremy Junis. He's the athletic and program supervisor at Riverview Park Activity Center in North Augusta. Jeremy, uh, good to have you on the show this week. I wanted to have you on because you're right there in North Augusta and very close to the site of where the Masters is going to be held and with the news that Tiger Woods is going to be playing in the field. I thought you might be able to come on and uh, lend some expertise as to what really happens there in Augusta. Well, Brian, thank you for having me. Yeah, as the, as the crow flies, we're uh, one mile away from uh, the Augusta National, and so uh, it, it does get very hectic right here in, uh, in even in North Augusta. But uh, the whole the whole city gets kind of run over during that week. Yeah, I mean, explain to people, Augusta is not a big city. There's a lot of private planes coming in. There's a lot of people coming in from all over the world to watch this tournament. What is it like during a normal Masters week, and what could it be like the week of the Masters? During a normal week, you know, you you walk into any restaurant, you maybe wait 10 minutes. Uh, You know, we're talking about an Outback or any of the nicer um, chains. Uh, During Masters Week, if you walk into that same restaurant, you're looking at about an hour and a half wait at best. Uh, the McDonald's are all filled. <laughs> I mean, you know, every, everything in this town kind of gets very busy. Um, the schools all shut down. This is the week that in this area we take spring break, regardless of where it falls in the nine-week calendar. Um, and we do that simply because between people renting their houses and, you know, moving out, you know, they typically go to vacation spots or take vacations based on how much money they make for their rental on their home or their kids working over there and, you know, um, maintenance, they do uh, trash pickup, they'll work in the concessions, work in the uh, mobile um, merchandising spots out there on site. So, It's such a hectic time for everyone who lives here that we end up just shutting the schools down because I I think at one time we tried to run classes during that week, um, and the attendance rate was about 47%. (laughs) (laughs) So they said, hey, let's just take this week off because this is the best week to do that. Now, uh, what's the population there in the Augusta, North Augusta area? Well, the, 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 the area really is is a metropolitan area, um, and it's 
probably somewhere in the 600,000, and that's a probably an hour um, radius around the, the centralized Richmond County, which is right kind of dead in the middle. Um, so it's a, it's a fairly large populated area. Matter of fact, I think Augusta is the second largest city in the state of Georgia um, outside of Atlanta. And um, so it's, it's a big area, but it's just not well known for a lot of things just because, you know, there's um, – it's a medical community. Um, you know, it's mostly retirement areas around here. Aiken's very retirement. Uh, Augusta and the, the areas surrounding it are very much retirement areas. So it's – you know, it's not a super active area, but um, uh, it, is pre- it is pretty well populated. There's a reason Tiger Woods chose – Augusta National is the course he wanted to come back on, and it's not because it's an easy course. It's because the tournament, the Masters, is very controlled. Let's talk about that for a moment. When someone gets a badge to the tournament, talk about that process, because I understand these badges can't be transferred, really. Uh, if you oh, no. act up, um, they write down your number, and they you know, make sure that you don't get, get back in because your number's been written down. It's very, very controlled and also, you know, it's controlled with the media. They're not going to let the TMZs and entertainment tonight's of the world into this venue. Very much so. It's it's very very controlled. Uh, my my family came here in 1951. Um, we've had badges ever since. Wow. Um, we have the same number. When you get your badge, um, the the serial number on the badge is the same. And they implemented rules about 10 years ago that said that. You could no longer pass your badge down to your family member, so it's in my. It was in my mother's name, and when my mother passed away, that was the end of us getting the badge. And by by with that, you know, because it is your badge, they do. They keep very close ties on to who has and who is using that that badge. So just like you said, if I was to let. You know, one of my good friends, like say you, come use the badge, and let's say you had a few too many uh, adult beverages, um, <laughs> maybe said something in, say Tiger Woods backswing, you would be immediately removed from the course. Your badge would be taken away from you, and the badge, mind you, is a plastic badge that is good for the four days of the of the event. So if this happens on Monday. You know, you've got you know no way to get in Tuesday. You know, I mean, excuse me. If this happens on Thursday, no way to get in Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. That badge is gone, and it, and they make it retroactive for any badges that you had within that household name. Um, so it, it is a and, you know because like I said, we've had our badges since you know the you know early 50s when you really could just walk in and get a badge. And I want to say around the 60s is when they implemented the badge process. You know, most of the people are very, very protective about that. Um, now, what has happened since is with the new rule that you're not allowed to pass it down within your family, as these older generations start passing on, new people are getting their hands on the badges. What that's done is that's really driven the price range up for purchasing on the, you know, on the, the, the or I guess the non-controlled market badges. Um, you know, anywhere from, you know, it's a, it's a four-day badge that is about, I think it's $250 is the face value for all four days. Okay. Uh, the going rate for that badge um, as of last week was between $1,000 and $1,500. Wow. Um, the going rate for that same badge right now 
and I actually talked to someone today that is looking to to sell a badge is right at twenty one hundred dollars. Wow. So, okay, yeah. explain this to me. You're talking about how this badge has been in your family for decades. If you sell your badge, is there a way for them? Like, how does that work? Are you selling it out of your family or are you just selling it on the secondary market? How, how does that work? Yep. I don't understand you're, you're, that. You're, you're selling that on the secondary market. And, you know, I, I've never done it. But the people who do are basically rolling the dice that nothing will happen. Technically, the badge rule states that it is supposed to be used by your family and, and or friends. Um, so what could happen if, you know, if for some reason when you swipe it, you go in, it has a, you know, has a barcode on the back, you swipe it, it'll say, you know, Junus on there. If for some reason they ever wanted to say, you know, excuse me, you know, sir, whose badge is this? And you don't technically know because you bought it off of this secondary market. You could have a real issue there. Interesting. Let's talk about the housing. I know there's not a ton of hotels in the Augusta, North Augusta area. I've been there before. And you said earlier in the interview, people rent their houses out. When people rent their house out for the week, what kind of money are they getting? Um, it's it's a very controlled market there also. It's houses rent in three different categories. You rent either as strictly a housing, you rent as housing with food, or you rent as housing with entertainment. So each level runs a little bit different. Um, strictly housing are groups that come in. Um, they don't necessarily eat there. They don't cook there. They come there. They spend the night, um, you know, use the facilities. They go out to eat. They do those kind of things. Um, the other ones are ones that, you know, they come in, and it's only going to be the group using the house, and they are allowed to cook there, and they cook and feed themselves there. Then there are houses that are there for hospitality. So let's say you've got, you know, a corporate outing. You may rent three houses to five houses to 10, 11 houses in the same area, but you'll have one house that is for entertainment. And so with that house, I mean, you're looking anywhere upwards of fifteen to $20,000, and it may only be a, you know, a four or five bedroom house, but it'll have a large area for for the you know for the main entertaining source. So there are people the there that can probably and, pay uh, their mortgage for uh, several months by renting it out for this one week of the year. Oh, very well so. Um, you know, most definitely, especially you know because that's the one thing about this area that the housing rates are generally low. I mean, you're talking um, new houses right now are being built anywhere from sixty-five to eighty-five um, dollars a square foot. I mean, so you, you know, you talk about a you know a fifteen, eighteen, twenty-two thousand. I mean, a twenty-two hundred square foot house is very, very reasonable, even in some of the nicer areas. You know, located conveniently around the Augusta National, um, a lot of new houses have popped up. Very large houses with a lot of you know open areas for that kind of entertainment, um, and it can it can very easily pay for your mortgage for the year. We've just got a few minutes left. Uh... Let's talk about the overall buzz since it was announced that Tiger is going to be playing in the Masters. Give us a sense of the buzz there in uh, North Augusta. Pretty, pretty much went from uh, first gear to third gear. 
I mean, you just knew that, you know, once everyone around here kind of had a feeling that this would be the place to come back because it is such a controlled atmosphere. I mean, it's golf claps, it's roars of crowd, and it's dead silence. I mean, you don't have a lot of partying going on on the course because there's, you know, there's no hospitality within the course, um, you know, like you would say have at the Heritage or, you know, some other venues uh, that, that hold, you know, high-quality field events. Um, so, so you just know that if, if you're ever going to go back to a place where you really don't have to worry about the heckling, you don't have to worry about anybody jeering you or, you know, giving you that shot in the back, this is definitely that place that, that it's going to be. Um, people here respect the game of golf. And that's exactly what they're going over here to watch is is the game of golf. You know, we we have you know right here within uh, two hours you have the the heritage, you know, which is you know soon after the Masters. Well, actually, right after the Masters, and uh, I've been to both venues, and I'm telling you, it's the same golfers, but wow, what a difference! <laughs> it's very very calm, very surreal, very prim and proper here, um, and very much a party atmosphere and enjoyment, and you know a lot of fun, a lot of talking. Uh, you sometimes wonder how the players can get their shots off, you know, between the two different atmospheres. But uh, this is a very controlled atmosphere and, and very well within the what we thought would be the place where he would come back. Last question. Uh, you know, again, I've been there. The thing that amazed me was how exclusive Augusta National is. The course is beautiful. But it's in an area that isn't the greatest area of town. I think people, once you're outside the gates of Augusta National, you'd be pretty surprised to see the surrounding area. What's the perception of Augusta National by the locals? Um, The perception is um, very closed. Um, you can't, I mean, you can't just go in, you can't drive up, you can't see anything. Um, everything's, uh, all the fences are very high. They've got either, you know, bamboo wicking through everything. So you really can't see in, um, you know, it's, it's just very close you, you know, there's probably, I think at, at one time someone said there's maybe only 35 local members, um, you know, something along that number, that's probably a very rough estimate, but it's very low. Um, and so people, you know, people don't have access to it. I mean, you know, they only sell their merchandise during the week of the event. Um, so you're you're not going to get any, um, you know, Augusta National Masters event merchandise other than then. Uh, you might find some on the eBay market where someone's gone in on a practice round day and loaded up and then tried to sell it on a secondary market. But you can't just walk up to the pro shop and get something. Um, I think that's the funniest thing we, we find here being local is you have someone come in from out of town and, and say, hey, you know, I'd, I'd like to go to the Augusta National and just, you know, I know I can't play it, but can I at least walk around? Well, you know what? You can't even walk around. You know, uh, Magnolia Lane is a stretch of about a, um, you know, probably not a quarter of a mile, um, but you're not going to get to ride down it <laughs> unless you have a member with you. Well, I guess for a guy who has a yacht with the name of Privacy, it makes all the sense in the world after listening to this conversation that he'd come back at Augusta National because it sounds like they're in a cocoon, and that's exactly where he's going to be uh, making his return to the golf course. Yeah. 
that's the, the that's but that's the great part of that event also is if you go to your local you know professional baseball tournament you're going to pay you know upwards of six eight dollars for a beer you're going to walk into the augusta national you're going to pay 250 for a 12 ounce can you're, you're going to go in there and get an, a fresh pimento cheese sandwich for two dollars i mean you're you're gonna when you get inside that cocoon you are treated as a member of that family and it's it's an amazing event it's a you know it's an amazing venue um it's just it's just a super feeling to to get inside there well you've been a wealth of information i still this is on my bucket list i still want to get out there someday and uh hopefully get in the the cocoon and see what it's all about but uh jeremy you know the big news of the week is tigers returning to the golf course at the masters and really appreciate you shedding some terrific insight into uh what's going on there in north augusta and the venue itself well well brian we'll always have you a room here whenever you want to come down thank you very much jeremy we'll talk to you soon all right thank you that's jeremy junis the athletic and program supervisor at riverview park activity center in north augusta you're listening to sports Business Radio will be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Greg Shaheen. He's the NCAA Senior Vice President for Basketball and Business Strategies. He joins us every year around this time. Greg, it's always great to catch up with you. Thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio this week. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You spend about 300 days on the road. You've got millions of frequent flyer miles. I read where during the tournament you sleep about an hour and a half a night. Take us back about a week uh, before Selection Sunday. What's your schedule like from that point through the end of the tournament? Well, we uh, we go to New York first, and we meet with CBS, uh, their talent and production teams, and get them revved up uh, for uh, the start of the tournament. And then uh, when I say we, we got to go with the uh, committee chair, Dan Guerrero, this year from UCLA. And uh, following that seminar, uh, we get to Indianapolis for selections. And... Uh, through selections, uh, we, we stay uh, pretty much all huddled together uh, in downtown Indianapolis until Sunday night. Monday, I came in for uh, several hours, and then about mid-morning, I uh, picked Dan Guerrero up again. We drove over to uh, Dayton, Ohio, for the uh, practices for the opening round game, which took place last night. Drove back last night about midnight. 
uh, and I'm in Indianapolis for the first week of the tournament, and then uh, next week I'll travel to all four regional sites before this year returning back to Indianapolis for the final four. So it's uh, you know, I'm blessed to work with a number of colleagues who uh, are out and about at the various sites, and on a go-forward basis, they are uh, in charge of those sites, and we just coordinate everything out of Indianapolis. I have an idea for you. You need to sign a sponsorship with a private jet company with yeah, all the flying no that you do. No kidding. That's uh, one of the things I need to work on post haste. I, uh, <laughs> it's a uh, you know it's a labor of love, and after a while, you just kind of get used to uh, rolling with airline challenges at times. But more often than not, I'm very fortunate, so it's an honor to be part of it. You're more patient than most of us. Uh, well, something like that, maybe. So the NCAA Men's Basketball Championships, they remain one of the most lucrative sports properties in the world. Um, But a thing that a lot of people don't realize is that 96 cents of every dollar from the tournament goes back to your members and ultimately supports student-athletes. Can you explain how this money is funneled? Because I think a lot of people don't know how that process works. Sure, absolutely. There's a series of funds uh, that have been set up uh, that it's all explained on our website at ncaa.org, but uh, there are a series of funds, multi-million dollar funds, uh, that are distributed and allocated at various times throughout the year to our membership for a variety of purposes, including general purposes, uh, the operation of their department, as well as uh, academic support, scholarships, grants, uh, emergency aid, and various funds that are available in the event that a student athlete, uh, for example, were to need, uh, would need a flight home for uh, an ill relative or something of the sort. Uh, the things that probably never get covered in the media as we would like them to, uh, but there are provisions that are allowed in the rules uh, to take care of more situations than uh, I think people realize. Uh, but the goal here is to take 96 cents, as you said, out of every dollar and pass it through to our membership for their use. And we take the four cents, and with that we uh, run the national office, run 88 championships uh, year-round at 750-plus sites, and uh, conduct the rest of our functions here from the office. How big is your staff? Uh, well, the, the entire national office staff is about 450 people. The, the staff that runs the basketball championship uh, is about 12. And, um, you know, it's uh, again, it's a bunch of crazy workaholic-type folks who care about the event more than uh, – more than most, and we're trying to just get it done right. So we band together to support one another, and uh, that's what's on tap. So that's what, that's uh, the group that works on it. My guest is Greg Shaheen. He's the NCAA Senior Vice President for Basketball and Business Strategies. Greg, there's been a lot of talk recently about expanding the tournament field from 65 teams. The NCAA also has a clause in its contract with CBS that you can opt out of the final three years of your deal with CBS up until August 31st of this year. You're in the midst of an 11-year, $6 billion TV deal. Um, From what my research tells me, the contract with CBS is backloaded, so you've got three years left, about $2 billion on the contract. It seems like this is a great time to be potentially talking with your TV partners, whether it's CBS or someone else, and having those conversations about what could it look like if we expanded the field from 65 teams. How are those conversations going right now? 
Well, they're ongoing. You know, it's, uh, it's impossible to predict where they turn out, but uh, you're exactly right. The due diligence period in our current contract is important and one that we're taking a hard look at to make sure, like anybody would in such a situation, that we have examined all the prospective options in the best interest of the association. And those conversations I would expect to be ongoing for the next several weeks and months uh, while we determine whether or not to opt out. The association's in a really fortunate position because we have contracts in place through the conclusion of the 12-13 academic year, as you described. And so there's really no particular pressure uh, to do something now unless it makes sense for us as we as we analyze the various options. And if we choose not to do anything, then it's at least a head start on what would happen at the natural conclusion of these agreements going full term. So it's just an ongoing effort. Uh, I would say it would take weeks and months further before we will know uh, what happens next, but uh, just trying to do the right thing by, uh, by our membership. It's safe to say, though, if you added additional teams, there's more opportunity for revenue for the tournament, correct? Well, I think, I mean, it starts with more opportunities for our student-athletes. You know, the NCAA since 2005 has owned the National Invitation Tournament, the NIT, and it's a 32-team postseason tournament. So the NCAA actually has 97 owned and operated postseason berths uh, between the NCAA championship and the NIT. And so the notion of what's been reported quite a bit moving to 96 would actually be a reduction of one, uh, one space, if you will, in the postseason. And so those opportunities are what we really focus on, but the opportunity to be able to do that and piece it all together in a way that could provide the association financial security, long-term financial security, and as a result, our membership's interests in that regard, um, you know, it's definitely something we have to pursue and make sure we do so in everybody's best interests. It's an interesting time with TV rights. Uh, You know, NBC has the right to the Olympics, and their deal's coming up after 2012. There are some big properties. Does that have any factor in your decision to uh, either opt out or opt in to the remainder of your contract? Sure. I mean, you have to look at the entire market situation to understand, uh, you know, fully what what is in the best interest of the association. And so uh, what happens with others, what their prospective strategies are, certainly influence and impact how we might approach something like that, just as it does them. Uh, We're all in this kind of interesting business together. And so, you know, I parallel it quite oftentimes to how an individual looks at job prospects, been on a job that they enjoy for several years, and start to look around and see what else is out there and you recognize that you're competing against several other individuals as well. And uh, you just have to be mindful of all of that in terms of what's in your best interests. Let's talk about March Madness On Demand for a moment. It's one of my favorite elements of the last few years. I love the app on iTunes and for the iPhone. It's really grown since its inception. Um, I see where CBS may do $37 million in ad revenues just for March Madness. Do you think we're getting to the day? I've always wondered, when are we going to get to the day where with properties like the NCAA tournament, we may see equal ad revenue on the online side as we see with TV? Are we getting closer to that point? 
Well, I suppose over the spectrum of time, we're getting closer. I don't know that it's necessarily imminent because I think the comfort of being able to watch these things uh, in your own home or in a you know, restaurant or bar with a group of friends is still unequal. Now, what the you know whether that means the convergence that these same handheld devices and so forth wind up driving the signal to uh, larger format presentations, larger TVs and the like, um, that, you know, that, that certainly is possible. And it would seem that we're moving closer toward that end than not. Just a question of timing. And at the end of the day, you know, I think most people would uh, prefer to be able to be in their family room or living room and being able to watch it on a big screen TV whenever possible. It's one of the great things about the championship, though, is you can, you can consume it uh, in any number of ways, and it's just an event that is perfectly catered to uh, that sort of technology and that sort of viewing pattern. So it's a a great thing for everybody, and it works well for us. We're thrilled with it. Yeah, I mean, I see 7.5 million people watched March Madness on Demand last year, and I mean, let's face it, on a Thursday and Friday, most people are at work. So, you know, unless your boss has put up the firewall and you can't access March Madness on Demand, that's a great option to be able to watch from your uh, computer at work. Yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting perspective on, on that whole uh, element. You know, we're obviously uh, interested in providing the games to people who want to be able to watch them. I think our objective is uh, not quite as it is uh, often alleged to, to grind everything to a halt. So <laughs> convenience of something like uh, March Madness on Demand really does allow for our fans to be able to take that in, but not necessarily uh, you know grind everything to a halt, be away from their desk be unable to function in their uh, regular work mode as they go forward. So it works for everybody. You know, corporate support for the tournament, it's remained very, very strong despite a down economy. We're seeing events lose sponsorships left and right in the sports world. What makes the tournament such an attractive buy for corporations? Because from my seat, it looks like you guys are as strong as ever. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've we have been in a in a great mode. CBS has done a fantastic job, especially over the last several months, of uh, arranging some rather large uh, agreements. You know, this is a year when we, for the first time in a quarter century, are without General Motors as a corporate champion. Uh, though there will be a heavy advertiser on uh, elements during our during our championship, and uh, of course, someday soon we welcome them back in some role in that capacity it's been a it's really been a positive development to see uh the companies that have come on board uh Hershey's and LG uh UPS Capital One uh to to be able to come on and, and to your point of why is it so attractive well it it attracts the kind of audience that those companies are looking for those with um uh, great interest uh, in the sport, those who follow for significant periods of time, and uh, those who truly understand uh, the benefits of what the NCAA stands for and the opportunities we provide. They believe in the 96-cent rule, as, as you were describing earlier, and that is the that the overwhelming majority of their investment uh, will be distributed to our membership and used for the right reasons that uh, really no one can argue with. My guest is Greg Shaheen. He's the NCAA Senior Vice President for Basketball and Business Strategies. We just have a few minutes left. Greg, talk to me about ticket sales. Again, we're in a down economy. Are ticket sales strong? Are they off a little bit? Where are they heading into the uh, first week of the tournament? 
Well, it's it's uh, continuing to evolve, and and the nature of uh, a number of our venues, Oklahoma City, New Orleans. Uh, and Jacksonville, for example, uh, are likely to be day of sellers. But today, uh, with, uh, as we get into the opening hours of the championship, uh, we are uh, likely uh, on a mode where we're, I think by the end of today, we will have eclipsed 90% sold on the first and second rounds uh, with four of our sites sold out. And uh, in the second week, uh, the regionals, we've got one sellout. We've got three dome stadiums, all of which are at least 65% filled as it stands right now. So ticket sales have, quite frankly, held up well. We had a bit of a setback last year, uh, but ultimately uh, the numbers have been picking up over the last several days, and uh, you know, we feel comfortable that that will be a continuing trend by all indications. Well, and the Final Four is coming to Lucas Oil Stadium for the first time right in your hometown of uh, Indianapolis. That's got to be convenient for you. You don't have to travel far for that. And then uh, that's a great venue for the Final Four, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a building that was designed with us in mind. We were able to participate in that process uh, with the architects, with the Indianapolis Colts, with the state of Indiana and city of Indianapolis, and it's been a, a remarkably positive experience for us. It's uh, We're excited about the building. We think our fans, as they arrive and take this in, 70,000-plus, uh, will truly uh, soak in what, what it will be a remarkable experience. It's a fun place, fun design, and uh, we're excited to be here. Last question for you. Since the last time we spoke uh, last year, very tragic passing of Dr. Miles Brand. He joined me on this show several times. Just a champion for student athletes. Talk to me for a minute or so about uh, Dr. Brand's legacy and how he's going to be missed this year. Yeah, it's a uh... It's a heavy, heavy loss. You said it exactly right. Uh, it was not uh, 15 months ago that we learned that he uh, had a serious illness, turned out to be pancreatic cancer, and uh, you you said it well, very eloquently, the uh, impact that he had with a almost singular focus on what's best for the student-athlete uh, is what carried the day in any discussion we had. He wanted to make sure that we all got it and uh, understood both the purpose of higher education and the fact that not everything is uh, is the same in one part of the country as others or in one part of a city as in others. Uh, he just was a remarkable champion for what was right and what was in the best interest of our student-athletes across every possible demographic. Uh, and uh, he's just a, was a very special person and uh, sorely missed by many uh, in the national office and uh, with a keen hope that in the coming months as his permanent successor is named, uh, that uh, that person embodies a very similar trait of uh, trusting, empowering, and being insistent upon uh, a focus that benefits uh, student-athletes and recognizing their continuing contributions to the process. I'm going to put you on the spot, and I said this uh, on my Twitter account and several other times on this show. I think you'd be a great replacement for Dr. Brand because I think you embody a lot of the same traits that he had. Would you ever be interested in that job? Well, it's uh, it's very flattering. I don't think it has to do with my interest. I think it has to do more with uh, you know the the global scope of what's required uh, here. And I, uh, Dr. Brand was the first university president to hold that job. Uh, he set the standard, uh, and I'm honored to 
uh, I'm honored to have the opportunity to work with whoever his successor is uh, in a way that uh, hopefully carries us forward in a very positive way and, uh, and allows us to continue doing the right sorts of things that I believe we're doing on so many fronts for academics, competition, and the like. But, uh, you know, Miles and I were friends before he came to the NCAA. I was a graduate of Indiana University. And uh, the, my biggest regret, quite honestly, is, as a friend of his, uh, is the fact that more people didn't get to know him as a person uh, on, a, on a broad sense. Though it never seemed to bother him, it just bothered the, the rest of us. Uh, he, he was a good man, kind-hearted, uh, with a great sense of humor, and uh, did more for student-athletes in his time at the association than I think um, anyone will be able to do for some time to come. He was a truly special person. Yeah, he sure was. Well, you and your team carry the torch well for him. Uh, congratulations on the continued success of the tournament, and I wish you the best of luck uh, with this year's tournament. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. Uh, are you on Twitter or anything? Can people follow you? Uh, you know, I'm on Facebook. I don't know that I'm on. Uh, the, the Twitter seems to be uh, far in excess of uh, what a simpleton like I can handle. I don't, I don't think that anybody wants to know that I'm going to get a Diet Coke for the 37th time in a, in a single day. But uh, I, my Facebook account uh, is out there somewhere. Okay. Well, I'm one of your friends, and I'm the lucky ones because uh, I love the articles that you post. Greg, great to catch up with you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. You're a good man. Thanks, Brian. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back with our final segment on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Well, the country comes to a screeching halt every year when March Madness is underway. About 40 million people play in office pools, and with the people watching on their computers on March Madness On Demand and all the lost time from employees, it costs employers nearly $1.8 billion. About 7.5 million people watched the tournament online last year, and most of it happened at work. 92% of the hits for March Madness On Demand, they happened on an office computer. So if you're an employer this week, you can pretty much uh, kiss your employees goodbye. And uh, for the next few weeks, they're going to be tuned in to watch March Madness on Demand, which, by the way, you can watch every single game of the tournament, including the Final Four and the championship game. A lot of thank yous on our show this week. 
Greg Shaheen from the NCAA, always great to catch up with him. What a class act he is, and he does a tremendous job running the tournament every year with his team. Jeremy Junis, my good friend from North Augusta, Georgia, and uh, you know, great insight on the Masters. Couldn't have gotten it from anyone else. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Doug Zanger, and Brian Griggs. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. You can go on to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're one of the top 100 business news podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. I hope you had a chance to go to sportsbusinessradio.com and enter the Sports Business Radio March Madness Bracket Challenge. Check back often. And again, my goal, I don't care if I beat you, i got to beat Bobby and Nathan this year. They beat me three years in a row. I'm Brian Berger. For Bobby Corser and Nathan Roach, you've been listening to Sports Business Radio. 